Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Chapel, the host of the show. This week, I have brought on a branding expert. She helps businesses with their branding and with their web design. It is Sarah Ann of Sarah Ann Design, and she has done some amazing designs for other people. So you can check out her website, but she also is just really fun and personable to chat with. So I'm excited for you to learn some tips on branding this week. And I wanted to let you listeners know that I am preparing a free mini course that is going to be on how to create quilt patterns in Canva for free. So that is going to be coming soon. If you're interested in that, there is a link in the show notes to join the waitlist, but I will have that ready soon and coming out soon, and I'll be sure to share all about that when it's available. But let's dive in this week, and let me introduce you to Sarah Ann. All right. Well, I'm really excited to introduce you to Sarah and she is a very, well, you know what, Sarah, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Will you tell us what you do? Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, my name is Sarah. Uh, My business is Sarah and Design, and I am a brand and website designer for creative entrepreneurs. I love it. And Sarah, I have followed you for a little bit. If people don't know you and they want to see your work, they can go to Instagram, but there's definitely like a vibe and a feel that you have. Did you put that out there or, and you feel like you attract people who, who gravitate to that or, or tell me how that worked with your branding? Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. It's always so much harder to do brand work for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Versus getting that third party perspective. So yeah, it's definitely something that has evolved over the years, but I certainly enjoy it, you know, putting together a certain aesthetic and hoping that people, um, you know, find something that resonates with them in that. So I've been lucky to work with clients who share that vibe and aesthetic. And then also some clients who take a little bit of a different path from that. So it's fun to get a mix of people who are coming in either because they share that same aesthetic or because they have something of their own that they're wanting to bring to me and see how we can collaborate and bring it to life. Okay. I wondered that. So have you ever had a client that came to you and you're like, oh, this is very not me, but let's do this. Like, how did that go for you? (laughs) Yes, I have had plenty of those. Um, And to me, I I think of branding as really kind of this puzzle. Like there's a lot of strategy that goes into it for me. So as much as I do love a beautiful aesthetic or I might have a certain style, for me, it's really all about that ideal client of my client. So (laughs) we're always digging into who are the people that they're wanting to attract, that they're wanting to work with. And sometimes that might result in a final design that really aligns with my style. And other times it might not, you know, there could be a different target audience that is looking for something different and we need to develop a strategy that really connects to that. So yeah, sometimes I get people that do not necessarily feel like the exact same aesthetic, but I'm still interested in that puzzle that we can solve and create something together that really works for them. And I would imagine that makes you a better branding expert. You know, if you have to push yourself, if it's always in line with you, that's easy. But to really have to push yourself, it's probably a good exercise to have, you know. It's a fun challenge. I definitely wouldn't want to get all of the same thing every day over and over. (laughs) It keeps Mm -hmm. things fresh and exciting to get people who are bringing some different ideas to the table. 
Yeah. So, okay. I have a few questions for you today and they're kind of in two different categories. So the first one is for the person listening, who's interested in being a brand designer or helping people with their branding. So I'm going to ask you questions that are geared about your career. And then I want to switch gears and talk to the listener who would be interested in hiring you to help with their branding. So for that first category, someone who's listening and thinking, that'd be such a cool job. How, how does one get started with that? Can you share how you got started in this career of yours? Definitely. And I'll share a little bit about my story. But one of the things that I love about this design industry is that it really does welcome people from an entire <laughs> wide array of different backgrounds. You know, there is definitely not one path to get into this job. Um, so I definitely encourage anyone out there who's interested in it, that there's so much that you can learn uh, on your own and that there are just a million different paths to get here. So <laughs> I was fortunate enough to actually get to study this in college. So I do have a formal education in design. Um, I remember I was looking at schools and got to sit in on a class uh, to see if it would be a good fit for me. And all these students were huddled around a computer screen. And one of them like gasped and was like, look at the tail on that cue. And I was like, these are my people. <laughs> they were all about the letter forms and what we could do to really bring personality through letters. And that just resonated with me so much. I knew it was exactly where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do career-wise. So yeah, I thankfully did get to study that and have a formal education with professor's guidance in that area. Um, and I got to work at a big ad agency, um, which was cool. definitely eye-opening in terms of what I did not want to do. <laughs> what don't you want to do? What did you see that you're like, uh-uh? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us have that experience somewhere where we're like, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so a couple of things. Um, I think a lot of people enjoy kind of how a big agency can be compartmentalized. So if you are a creative or you're someone who's working with clients, you really get to focus in on that one thing. So a lot of people really appreciate that, but I found myself kind of missing getting to have my hands in a little bit of everything. I liked that, uh, you know, holistic approach. I felt like I was kind of missing that there. So that was a big thing. Um, you know, and then also for, <laughs> I mean, kind of ironically, for as much as our jobs as creative entrepreneurs are something that has variable income or may not have stable benefits, I also kind of got to see a little bit of the shady side of the ad industry where someone, you know, who had been there for a couple of decades was let go during the time that I was interning and working there. Um, and it just kind of showed me that life can happen fast, you know, and there's not mm -hmm. necessarily a guarantee, even in what one would consider to be a very stable, quote unquote, job. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you with me? I kind of like, hmm, I don't want to come across as the wrong way with myself, but I like to be my own boss. I like to, you know, like if someone can let you go like that, I don't, that's not comfortable for me. I like to kind of be, be in control of that. Can you, exactly. Is that yeah. There yeah. was a little bit of an eye opener and like, you know what, I think it actually would be more stable in some ways to create my own path and be my own boss and be the person who gets to be the agent of change for myself and my business. Um, so I never expected to be a small business owner, entrepreneur. I didn't necessarily have that entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> until after that experience and having a chance to work at a smaller agency and getting to see, okay, I like this. I like, you know, a three person team or a one person or a two person <laughs> more than I like the, you know, international ad agency style. So that led really naturally into being able to start my own business and, and be able to produce those brand designs and websites in a way that felt really fulfilling. You know, I think that was another contrast uh, working on 
you know, creating mobile ads for cell phones or pizza, you know, didn't feel quite as fulfilling as the job that I get to do now where I really do get to serve someone well with a brand that can change their business and really change their life. You know, it, it's it's really rewarding to get to do that. And I would imagine it's more personable where you get to like really get to know and become friends with these people. Definitely. Yeah. I love that relationship side of things. Um, again, big contrast to just feeling like you're trying to sell more units of whatever it was at, at an ad agency. <laughs> yes, for sure. So when you first started doing this, was marketing your own business tricky? How did you go about doing that? Where did you start and how has that evolved? That's a lot of questions. Let's go <laughs> ahead and <laughs> go get started with that. Yeah, we'll take it one at a time. I guess for me, I felt like the marketing was pretty natural in a word of mouth referral circle. You know, I kind of started small and I would recommend that to anyone who's looking to get into this business to just start, you know, with one client or two and not necessarily have to worry about attracting a million clients right away. You know, it, it will snowball. I think especially in the design industry, referrals go a really long way. Um, so really focus on serving that one client the best that you can or that second client or third, you know, and they'll start to to come together and and really give that referral circle for you so that you're not having to invest a ton of time in additional marketing. Um, so that's still true for me today. A lot of my marketing efforts are really focused on what we can do for client experience and trying to make sure that they feel that they've gotten an experience that's worth referring to someone else. So we still put a lot of effort in there. Um, and then Pinterest is another fun one for me. Um, I am, I have not really been on Instagram for two years <laughs> now. Really, <laughs> I'll pop in here that. and there just to dump my latest portfolio projects, um, you know, or respond to a couple of DMs or have my assistant do that. But for the most part, we're not posting on Instagram and that's uh, been a really positive change in our marketing. So um, mm. yeah, I know that was kind of, kind of a lot, but <laughs> that's well, where, no, where we started or where we are now. <laughs> so most people find you by word of mouth then, mm -hmm. correct? And Pinterest would be your second? Yeah, Pinterest does a nice job of generating a lot of leads to our email list. So getting a couple of opt-ins out there, um, you know, on Pinterest is a much more evergreen platform for us. You know, I feel like on Instagram, sometimes it's just it's so hard to get noticed. Like you put something out there that you've put a lot of time and effort into, you know, and then it, it just disappears after a day or a week or whatever it is. So Pinterest has definitely been a long-term strategy for us and has generated a lot of those email leads, which then we can use, you know, to develop a little bit more of a relationship than just kind of a cold, <laughs> cold email. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, email, email list building is like my baby. It's what I preach. So <laughs> you're speaking my language. <laughs> and that's another area where you can start small. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you this after, gosh, I think I've been in business now five years. So in the beginning, I did not have an email list that had anyone else other than my mom and <laughs> my husband's grandma has been one yep. of my lo loyalists <laughs> from the beginning, but very small. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And how, I mean, if you can speak to the potential, so obviously you start small, but what if someone is good, they, they have, you know, a good product, a good experience for their customers. What, I know it's so different for everyone, but what are some things that you could expect to see as far as like, Yes, you could support a family. You could expect blah, 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 you know. Yeah, again, this was not at all what I expected for my business, but 
Um, when we started out, I told my husband, like, I really want to take a chance on this and just see what it could be, you know, and he was really supportive and said, what are your financial goals from this? And I told him one penny, like, as long as I'm not collecting <laughs> this money, <laughs> as long as we don't end up like in the red, I would yep. be so proud after one year, if I'm just still, you know, above water. <laughs> uh, you know, and thankfully, after that first year, it was more significant than that. Um, and really continued to grow each year after that in a way that really surprised me. Um, you know, in this past year or two, he actually quit his full time job to become a full time grad student. Uh, which made me the primary earner for our family, which was not something I ever had a goal to be or <laughs> wanted my business to have to be. Um, but it's really been just one of the biggest and most rewarding parts of my business that, you know, it's now able to help him pursue his dreams. So it's not what I ever envisioned or expected, but it's really grown into something that is sustainable for us and can support our family in a way that um, I'm just really, really thankful for. That's awesome. And you've mentioned a few little things like we, so do you have a team? Have you hired more people on? I do have a couple of girls who are working with me. Um, both are contract workers, so they're hourly and I have a virtual assistant as well as a junior designer. Um, and again, that's fairly recent for me within the past year or two. Um, but it's been really nice just to have some support. <laughs> I think again, mm -hmm. as, as small business owners, we spend a lot of time sort of in our own heads or <laughs> having to make all the decisions ourselves. And it's just nice to have someone that you can chat with a little bit or bounce ideas off of. So um, yeah, that's been a new role for me too. Again, I, I don't necessarily feel that I'm like the world's greatest CEO. Right. <laughs> I know everyone's always talking about that CEO mindset. And to me, at the end of the day, I just, I'm happiest when I'm a designer, you know, so learning that new role has definitely been a big shift, but it is something that has allowed us to grow. Again, when you're talking about what could this look like for people, um, you know, I am able to take on more projects with assistance. So, um, you know, that's kind of been part of what allowed us to grow and scale in that way. Well, and congrats. It's a huge milestone I, for me personally, but for any business owner to get to a point where you can afford to hire someone and where you are like, I don't want to do this thing and I can hire someone to do it, you know? So that's exciting. <laughs> a challenge in and of itself, right? Letting go right, right. things is, is really difficult, but it's been worth it and has really taught me, um, I don't know, just to be humbled that the girls who are on my team, I'm like, oh my gosh, they are so much better at this than I ever was. You know? <laughs> right. Thank goodness. <laughs> right. Just letting them use their talents uh, is, is great. I mean, it adds so much to the business and makes it feel like something that I'm not alone in. Yeah. Yes. And I know I like to hire people on in areas where I'm not the best. Like I'm not super organized. I'm a creative. And so I'm like, you love doing Excel. You love the numbers. Awesome. We are a match made in heaven because that is not my thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Outsource to people who do love it. <laughs> exactly. So now talking a bit about what you offer, I'm super intrigued because, okay, well, doesn't matter why. I'm super intrigued about brand boards. Can you speak to me about why a company would want a brand board? Is this something that you help people with? Just talk to me about the brand board situation. Yeah, definitely. Is. So there are a lot of different ways that brand boards can look, and I don't think there's necessarily a right way or a wrong way, but I'll tell you a little bit about what they look like um, for me. So for me, again, we always are kind of starting with that strategy. 
So I like to put together a full presentation that sums up our strategy for who that ideal client is. How are we planning to target them? What do we want the brand to feel like to them? You know, we kind of go into all those details about what this should have as a strategy behind it before we ever get to the design. Uh, And once we do get to the design, uh, I like to present a couple of different concepts, which again can differ from designer to designer, but um, I like to show three. So my clients will get to see three brand boards and each one might have a primary logo, an alternate, a stacked, a horizontal, an icon, illustrations. You know, we really start to add on all these different pieces. And for me, And that's one of the things that I really love most about branding. You know, I think people say all the time, like, it's more than just a logo. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, what is it then? What does it really mean? (laughs) And so for me, that means uh, that it needs to be something really versatile and flexible, that you really have this cohesive brand toolkit. You know, when you think about, um, you know, bigger companies, as an example, Uh, You can start to think about where their logo might be applied, whether that's on trucks or they're handing out pens or clipboards or, (laughs) you know, anything else. You have all these different little touch points of the brand. And while we may not have branded trucks, we do have a lot of different touch points that our clients are getting to experience. So thinking about each of those touch points and how we can create a cohesive client experience every step of the way is where all those different elements come in. That's why it would be important to me to give my clients, you know, a horizontal version or a version with or without a tagline. That's how all those variations stack up is so that when they do go to add the logo to a website or a digital presentation or, you know, a t-shirt that they have the logo that really works for that space and feels consistent every step of the way. So, okay. Um, so I work with a lot of students who are starting off their, their business journey and they're, creating a logo themselves. And I see a lot, a lot of things. One of which is too much going, in my opinion, it's a lot. They'll add a lot of colors, a lot of graphics. In your professional opinion, what what does a good logo make? You know, what makes a good logo? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so spot on uh, for creative industry in particular. I think especially I'm going to go ahead and call out any artists, makers, (laughs) a lot of these very visual industries, I think, want to add a lot to a logo like you're talking about. Um, And a lot of times that's not necessarily the best choice in terms of what you're wanting to say to your target audience. Um, For again, for artists and makers in particular, the thing that you want to showcase is your work and your portfolio. So you're not necessarily wanting to capture the eye with a logo that stands out. You might want a logo that blends in a little bit more, um, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is a little counterintuitive to say. (laughs) I agree. I agree. For example, if an art director is who you're targeting that you really want to work with to license your artwork or something like that, um, when they come to your website or they receive your printed portfolio, what you want them to see is your artwork and they're going to see your signature style that emerges there. You don't want them to walk away remembering your logo. You want them to walk away remembering your art. <laughs> so um, for that industry in particular, I think it's often a very good fit to go as simple as possible. And I mean, like really simple. <laughs> so like, uh, I think simple yeah, give example. can really convey so much. Um, you know, that's kind of my specialty that I got to study in my graphic design degree is kind of this focus on typography. And I think even just choosing the right font really can convey so much about who you are, the type of business that you are in a way that keeps it simple, but still communicates something. 
And, you know, all these different fonts have these connotations, whether we realize it or not, that we see a font and we kind of, you know, we have a preconceived notion about it based on how we've created a context in our mind for it and based on what we see in the world visually. So um, my recommendation to anyone who is a maker, creator, artist, you know, you're making anything busy or creative, (laughs) just choose a really, really simple font. Um, I actually have a guide to typography for free on my website. If anyone wants to check that out, you're welcome to. Um, It's a great start on just picking that really simple font, uh, you know, and not overcomplicating it. (laughs) Okay. I love that. And if you were... If there's a logo, I mean, honestly, my my tips for most people are just use the name of your company and a font that has no color. I mean, that sounds so boring. They're like, what? I'm like, I trust me. I just, it, it's better. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit counterintuitive, but again, for this sort of industry in particular, I do think that's often a really great fit. I think that can really be the right choice. Again, just so you're not visually competing against whatever your creations are. Um, again, you, you don't want them to come to your site and really notice your logo. You want them to come to your site and notice your work. So, you know, that can vary from person to person or industry to industry. You know, if you do get to a point where you're wanting to hire a professional designer, I think a lot of designers out there will be able to take it to the next level without overcomplicating it in a way that is more nuanced, where they can give you something, you know, that is a little bit customized, even if it's just a customization to the typography, forming some kind of ligature between the letters, giving you a really simple icon or monogram. You know, there are things that they can do that will still fit in that really subtle, nuanced, not overwhelming (laughs) Mm -hmm. feel. Um, But I think if you're going to do it yourself, simpler is always better in this particular industry. Okay, and what does ligature mean? I heard you say that. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, don't that's know what some that is. Uh, design nerd speak. <laughs> <laughs> a ligature is just a connection between two letters. So oh, I guess if okay. you were to picture an R and an A next to each other, if you picture that little tail coming off the R to the right, maybe it connects to the bottom of the A. <laughs> so okay. it's forming those little connections between the letters. It's a nice way to bring something customized, you know, so that it is a little bit more than just a font um, without, again, without overwhelming or getting too literal or graphic or overcomplicated. Very cool. So people can hire you to help with their branding, but also how I found you was through web design. So do you have a preferred website that you work with that you design in? Yes. So we only design on ShowIt. Um, which I love. It's been a really great fit. I (laughs) originally started out with just branding and I was like, never again on websites. I don't want to touch code. I hate CSS and HTML. (laughs) I do not want to do any more of this ever again. Um, But show it came along and really eliminated all of that. So there Mm. are definitely multiple platforms that will help you avoid code, you know, these days in the modern era. Um, but show it is very visual and design friendly. It's very what you see on the back end is what you get on the front end. So there's a oh. lot of room for visual creativity. Um, but the flip side is it does take a lot more time and effort to customize it versus, 
Um, you know, something like Squarespace, I feel like can be a really great fit for people who are starting out because they have really clean templates. You know, the blocks are pretty easy to work with. They don't require a ton of work and time investment to get it customized in a way that works for you. So yeah, there's there's pros and cons to each. I love Show It as a professional designer, but I can see how platforms like Squarespace are a lot easier to get started with <laughs> if you're just beginning. So I use WordPress. That's the thing that you're like, I'll never do that again, right? Because it's like all the code and everything. But at this point, I, if I were to think of hiring you, my concern is all of the cookies, if you will, like all the links that are out there everywhere. How do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things. One, if you're already on WordPress, it's actually a pretty easy transition to show it because show it's built on top of WordPress. So there's a lot of tech that goes into that. But that's kind of the easiest switch is to go from WordPress to show it. Um, but that being said, all of your links are really something that you just want to maintain with your domain. So your URL, whatever you type, you know, www.example.com, you know, that will stay the same even if you switch website providers. So that's the thing that you want to make sure, um, you know, you're not changing. Otherwise, you have to get into some kind of complicated issues with setting up redirects and making sure that those links stay live. But as long as you can make sure that that domain gets transferred, um, you know, you should be able to switch different platforms pretty easily, whether that is Squarespace or ShowIt or WordPress or, or anything else out there. As long as you keep that URL, you should be in pretty good shape. Okay. I, that is a big sigh of relief. I'm like, <laughs> oh, because I'd love to hire you, but I don't want to deal with that. Okay. So that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. The tech stuff is a lot to wrap your head around for a website design. So I get it. It is, <laughs> which is why one likes to hire out for that, which, okay, I did want to ask. Most of my audience, they're more at the beginning stages of their business. You are definitely someone to like save up to hire. Um, so do you offer, do you, I don't, what do you recommend for someone who's just starting out, who's not ready to invest in the website, you know? Yeah, definitely. And actually, if you're just starting out, I recommend do not invest very much in a website. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yep. you know, for my own business, and I'm sure you can speak to this as well, but so much can change in such a short amount of time when you're just starting out, you know, that first year in business or the first two years in business, I think about how much changed for me, how much my services changed, how much my target audience changed. I mean, there's just so much that in a very compressed amount of time looked very different. So if I had invested all that money in the very, very beginning, I think it would have been a disservice, you know, knowing that I might have had to do that process again, a year or two later. So I think there's something to be said for giving yourself some room to grow in the beginning. Um, so I guess, again, my advice there would be to start simple and really let your focus be on the creative work that you're doing and choose a website platform, just like the branding, that keeps things really streamlined and minimal and simple. Don't overcomplicate things in the beginning. Uh, again, you don't really want to confuse people if things are shifted a year later. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I think it's a lot easier to shift when you've just had a really clean, simple, minimal beginning. Uh, you know, you can start to add pieces here and there. You can really grow into it versus if you come out of the gate with something that is really visually striking, it's going to be a little bit tougher to, to backpedal and, and change directions a year later. So I think if you're starting your very first website, again, Squarespace is a really great place to start just because the templates are so easy. You know, it's it's all very clean and minimal and simple. You can start there, get a website up and have that space where people can uh, you know, kind of start to view you as a professional. 
And I think it's worth having, you know, even if it's simple, kind of shifting from using Instagram as a portfolio to having a dedicated space for your art and your brand. It's just going to up-level that professionalism. It's going to take you into a space that does feel like you're a little bit more elevated. You have that dedicated space for people to really get immersed in your artwork versus, you know, having to be on a social media platform where everybody's competing for attention. So I think even if you're starting simple, even if you're starting small, get a website, (laughs) you know, keep it clean and minimal, but have that dedicated space where you can send people, um, you know, and, and really look like a professional at what you do. Agreed. And then what are your thoughts on Shopify? That's where I started when I very first began. And I still sell my products there. Yeah, I have Shopify three different is... websites. Well, anyhow. <laughs> I think a lot of people do once you hit a point in business where you are that you kind of have to leverage all these different pieces of technology to work for you in the ways that you need them to. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Shopify is definitely ideal for e-commerce and products. Um, and you can build your entire website on Shopify, um, or you could, for example, have a Show It website or a Square Squarespace website where your shop just links over to your Shopify page. So again, I know that's kind of getting a little into the tech details, but you can kind of integrate all of them to make them work together, uh, or you could actually just build your entire website on Shopify. Um, the thing about that, again, is just that it's going to be much more e-commerce forward. So if you see yourself as someone who is planning to have a shop, who is planning to really focus on products, then that's a great fit for you. Um, But if you're someone who's looking to provide more of a one-to-one service or, you know, wanting to showcase a portfolio, that might be something to kind of reconsider since you may not need that full functionality of e-commerce and shop products. Okay. Yes, you do know your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) So you kind of touched on this, but if you were to give someone just some tips on how to improve their branding, minus being simple, but what are some some go-to tips? Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the best things to do is to first kind of define the, the strategy behind that brand. So that's something that, you know, I mentioned I work on with my clients in a dedicated way, but that's something that you can also do on your own at home (laughs) and really start to define, you know, what is behind this brand? So a couple of questions that I like to ask to just sort of get thinking about that, I guess, are very open-ended questions like, if your brand hosted a party, what would it look like? You know, who would be attending? What would you be wearing? What music is playing? What's the venue? You know, are you serving champagne or are you kicking back with margaritas? <laughs> you know, so you start okay, to get yeah. a feel for, you know, what what is that style in sort of an intangible way? Um, but knowing that, I think, can really inform the decisions you're making for your brand moving forward. So even if you can just define three keywords for your brand, um, you know, if I toss out bold or peaceful, you know, those are two very different feels even in just one word. So if you can come up with three keywords that really represent the core of your brand, I think having those three words, put them on a post-it note in your office, you know, right in front of your face, (laughs) that really will help you make decisions for your brand in a way that feels consistent and is rooted in a strong foundation. So that way, when you do go to, um, you know, select a color for your website, you can say, is that color really bold, you know, (laughs) or or is it peaceful or whatever your your brand keywords are. It'll just kind of give you that gut check to say, does this align with the foundation that I've set for my brand? Or is it maybe something that doesn't? Um, so that's that's one thing to kind of do that strategy on your keywords. And then the second really important component would be to think who that ideal client is. Again, I think as, as 
visual creative people, it's very easy for us to say, well, I love purple, so I'm going all out on purple (laughs) or whatever (laughs) it is. Um, But you really need to put yourself into the shoes of that ideal client and think, would an art director love purple? Or, (laughs) you know, would whoever that ideal client is for you love what you're putting out there? So if you can kind of find that balance between the true root keywords of who you are and what your brand represents and then how you want to be communicating to the people who are coming to work with you. Um, those are kind of the two, two pillars of what you need to be thinking about in your brand. Um, yeah, a couple of like little tangible things. I know those were kind of <laughs> uh, more, more thinking about your brand at a higher level. Um, but a couple of tangible things. I think selecting two typefaces is a really great start. So, um, you know, having something that you're using for headings and having something that you're using for your body copy. Uh, Again, use those consistently. If you're going to Canva and getting a template or anything like that, always customize it to be your two brand fonts. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. go overboard. I'm like maybe three, (laughs) but no more than that. Two, just two. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So always customize anything to include those two, maybe three fonts. Uh, (laughs) And then the same thing for your colors. I think if you can pick um, a neutral color and then one that stands out a little bit more, uh, again, just Two, just stick to two. Mm, okay, <laughs> I like that. See, um, I've even got more than that, so I could narrow that down. Yeah, yeah. And again, it can grow over time, but I think for people who are beginning, again, it's easier to add colors along the way than to start out with something, you know, that has way too much going on and have to scale it back. So if you can just really focus on that consistency, I think that goes a really long way. Okay. I like that. My, my next question, there is like, okay, so I've hired copywriters. They focus on the words for your website, your marketing and all of that, which plays a part. And then I've hired graphic designers who are like, well, it's really more about the photos. So how do you feel like the two play together? I mean, if you are I know that you're, that you're, tell me, tell me your thoughts on both. <laughs> this is like an age old chicken and egg question. Yes, <laughs> I'm like thinking back to that ad agency I told you guys about and I feel like it was a question even there. Does design follow copy? Does copy follow design? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know yep. people feel very passionate one way or the other. Um, I am actually probably in the middle. I think to me, a best collaborative relationship between a designer and a copywriter is one where you really are able to collaborate in a way where you can take a little bit from each other and build on it. So, um, you know, I love to receive fully written copy for a website design. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By all means, yep. give it to me. Um, but if it turns out that we really need to see, you know, the structure of a homepage first, I'm happy to use like filler copy and let a copywriter step in and give their suggestions or say, you know, I really want to highlight this particular piece of text and give me the freedom to design that in a way that highlights it for them. Um, so I really appreciate a collaborative process. I know others who feel strongly that one should be done before the other. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, but I think the important part is both the designer and the copywriter being on board with that initial strategy. So, um, you know, most of us who do design strategy can share some kind of document with a copywriter that has those keywords defined that talks about who that ideal client is and then vice versa. A lot of copywriters will do that type of strategy on their end. So kind of whoever has worked with the client first (laughs) can share, Mm -hmm. uh, can share the strategy work that they've done to make sure that it has that foundation behind it. Nice. So the websites that you have worked on that I've seen have beautiful photos and video. Tell, speak to me on the importance of photo 
and how to get good ones. Hugely important. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I usually talk about the three components of a brand being one, your visual branding, like we've talked about the logo that you create, the colors, all of that good stuff. The second part being copy, which like we talked about, (laughs) also important. Mm -hmm. Uh, The words that you say, whether that's on your website or in your captions, um, you know, that's a huge component of your brand as well. And then the third part is that imagery. Um, So those three together really are the big three things that can come together to convey your brand. Um, So with the imagery, um, a few things to keep in mind, I guess, if you are specifically looking for imagery for a website, one little tip I always like to share is to ask your photographer to capture plenty of horizontal images. <laughs> Most mm. photographers are used to capturing, you know, a portrait that, that works well for framed images. Um, but once we get to a website, if you just kind of think about your computer screen, you need a lot of horizontal formatted imagery. Um, so that's just kind of a, a quick tip there. But as far as setting the overall tone for capturing your brand photos, again, I think share whatever brand strategy you have with your photographer. So whether you've worked with a professional and they've given you, you know, this lengthy document with all of that information, or you just have your little post-it with your three keywords of what you're trying to evoke, you know, share that with your photographer because they're going to be a professional who can capture that. That's, that's their job, you know, that they're great at. So if you're telling them that you want photos that feel bold or that feel confident or, (laughs) you know, that feel serene, um, you know, there are things that they will suggest that will help evoke that feeling in your images as well and carry that consistency throughout. Um, They'll likely have suggestions, but I think a couple of things that can really help are choosing a location uh, that fits that vibe. Um, You know, again, whether you're indoors, outdoors, is it dark, moody background or something really light and fresh? Um, your photographers can have great examples of what that could look like, but it's definitely something to think about. Um, and then I think it's also great to capture um, a few different types of images. So the first would be headshots. And I like to say to definitely get some with eye contact. We always shy away from that. I think a lot of us don't love to be in front of the camera, but (laughs) psychologically, there really is something through the screen about connecting with someone, establishing trust, even if it is through a computer (laughs) to make that eye contact is really important and can help establish you as that expert, establish a relationship. Um, So definitely those headshots. The second would be to capture images of you doing what you do in action. (laughs) So whether Mm -hmm. that is sketching, or maybe you are holding up fabrics you've created or a quilt design that you put together, you really want to showcase you in your element, you know, doing the thing that you actually do in the process. Um, And then the last one is to capture some detail shots. Again, I think this can sometimes get missed um, when you're focusing on just getting a couple of headshots or something like that. Um, you're going to need some sort of filler imagery. Like when you think about a website, you can't just have headshot, headshot, headshot going down the entire page. (laughs) So you're going to need some detailed shots, like close-ups of your desk, or it could be, again, of of the setting overall, maybe even just like a nice plant that's in your color palette, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just some stuff that sort of gives you a little bit of visual white space. You know, it's, it's not competing for anything. Again, just kind of adding that simplicity giving a little bit of room to breathe so that you don't necessarily have headshot after headshot. (laughs) Which I have done that before and it actually does look weird. I scroll down, I'm like, whoa, not only does it look like a little conceited, but it just looks visually (laughs) off. Like, what are you doing here? I love it. Can't get enough of me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nice way to add some of that visual space uh, and kind of keep things feeling clean and fresh. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And especially like for a creative, a crafter, a quilter, your materials, your hands, sewing, whatever, you know, just those. Yeah. Absolutely. Those, those I great. love a good hand shot. <laughs> mm-hmm, <I do laughs> Holding too. things, working on things. I think I really do just think that our hands hold a lot of personality. I really do. So I think that's a great one to capture. Even if you don't love the way your hands look, just embrace it. They're your hands. They do so much for you. Okay. That's a whole other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you had to think when you are looking at branding, just as someone who's hiring you, or let's just say you're out and you find a company that you're interested in, what are some of the biggest things that you see getting in the way of good branding? Mm, good question. <laughs> um, a couple of things. I mean, I know I've said it a few times, but overcomplicating is a huge one. Um, that definitely can go a long way to make your brand feel cluttered and it makes people not sure what to look at first. And that is a confusing experience. You know, you're introducing friction again, that's psychologically is such a small thing, but it really adds up to be a big thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. People land on your website and they don't know where their eyes should land. Uh, they're going to exit the website. They're not going to stay very long. So, um, kind of that, that overcomplicating is a big one. Um, inconsistency is another big one. So again, if I'm going to a restaurant and I look at their website before I go, it looks really great. And then I get there and I don't know, the signage looks totally different. And then the menu is in a different font. Like it doesn't give you that elevated experience that you really wanted to feel. So I think that consistency can really go a long, long way. And then if I'm really being design nerdy, <laughs> a couple yes. of things I would probably nitpick. <laughs> um, definitely kerning, which uh, is just the space between two letters. So, huh. you know, if there's kind of a gap between two of the letters and it makes your eye sort of catch on that gap, um, that's definitely going to be something I'm going to notice. <laughs> okay. Now um, I need to hire you for sure. Please go <laughs> fix any of that. My husband now notices these two, you know, when we go to a graduation <laughs> and get the announcement pamphlet, he'll be like, oh, look at the kerning. <laughs> I, this is another new word that I've learned. Kerning. Okay. <laughs> I love all those little uh, design nerd words. Uh, I'll, I'll throw you my very favorite one. One, that the dot over a lowercase i is called a tittle. So you are that sounds kind of gross. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, who came up with this? I but know. It have its own special name. <laughs> so there are a lot of those little nerdy vocab words. I mean, kerning, nobody's gonna notice except for you know me, other designers, and my husband, but <laughs> But sometimes I will say if it's really bad, like it's consistent and then it's not consistent for one word. I'm like, oh, that was weird. You know, myself. Yeah, yeah. It's that inconsistency. It's those little things that it catches your eye and kind of makes you go, wait a minute. And that's not what you want. You want it to feel really, really seamless. Uh, Yeah. So just try to keep things as consistent as you can. And that's really going to help elevate the experience overall. Awesome. So if someone is wanting to hire you and reach out, find you, see your work, all the things, where can they find you? Yeah, so my website is definitely the best place to start. Uh, it's at sarahanddesign.co, um, and you're more than welcome to come and browse around, check out the services that we offer, and then I also have put a lot of time and effort into my blog. Um, so a lot of the questions we've talked about today, even if you are interested in learning more about typography or I have a blog post about capturing brand photos for your website. Um, all of that good stuff sort of lives on the blog as a resource for you. So feel free to come on over and just enjoy. 
Awesome. And I have to say, as we talked about at the very beginning, even if someone, as a beginning entrepreneur, you want to go and learn these things and try and do it yourself. But it does get nice at a point where you can hire someone like you to do it, even if I know how to do it, to have someone else do it. And like you said, there's something about we're blind to our own thing. You know, I can look at someone else's things and be like, oh, fix this and that. And I look at mine and I'm like, I don't know. You know, like I, I can't see. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, branding for myself, I'm definitely my own most difficult client. And I think that's true for most of us. So sometimes just getting that third party to come in with a fresh look at everything, you know, to have that outside eye, um, I think is really helpful just so you're not having to be so wrapped up in your own thoughts about it. It can be really difficult to get the distance you need to look at it objectively and to come up with something um, you know, that doesn't have all of the history and emotional weight behind it. Um, yep. You know, that's something we talk about with my clients a lot when we start their brand design project is that, you know, their original logo has served them really well and has gotten them this far. And that's something, you know, to honor that, that you know, it's not a bad logo that we're doing away with. It's, it's one that has really served their business and helped them grow in these early stages. And now it's just time for something to up-level that professionalism and elevate them to a look that really matches the quality of their service and what it's grown into over the years. I will admit, as we are sitting here listening today, talking about typography and logos, I do think that's one thing I'm going to have to. And so you saying this, I'm like, that's right. It served me really well up until this point. You know, whenever <laughs> I do reach out and hire you, I think that's something we're going to be so be on the lookout, quilt, quilter <laughs> friends. I think you might see a change down the road here with quilters. Yeah, I, I love that. And it really is. I think it's it's good to hold gratitude for the things that have brought us to the place where we are and to be able to still move forward and make changes to in a positive direction. So, yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. You're a wealth of knowledge. You're super fun to chat with. And I just am really grateful that you took the time to be with us today. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed getting to chat with you. And I am always passionate about these topics. So I look forward to many more conversations in the future to come. Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll see ya. Thank you. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Sarah has also sent me some links to her freebies. So she mentioned that she has a free download that helps with type and type font, how to pick a font for your brand. She just has a library, a wealth of knowledge and free tips and tutorials for you business owners. So be sure to visit the show notes. It's quilterscandy.com and then click on podcast and look for episode 58. And again, that's branding with Sarah Ann. And you can find all of her free goodies there. Also, do be sure to check out her website. It's it's beautifully done. And you can see her portfolio of all the people that she's worked with. And I do plan on hiring her. So you'll have to keep a lookout for when, when there's a change of roo with my branding and my website, which I'm excited about. Uh, but thank you so much for being here on the Craft to Career podcast. Next week, we will have Victoria of the Midlife Quilter. She has an online fabric shop. And she'll be talking a bit about just opening an online shop, selling things online. And I'm really excited because she has a brand new marketing idea that she is going to be rolling out. And it's something that other quilt shop owners can do as well, especially applicable for you quilterpreneurs and creative crafters. So be sure to join us next Friday on the Craft to Career podcast. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that. You'll get notifications and the new episodes will automatically go to your library. And if you haven't already, please leave a review of the podcast. You can leave a five-star review, but also if you can just type a little sentence or a paragraph that shares how this podcast has helped you with your business. I would love to give you a shout out on the podcast and on social media. I'll tag you and show you and, and share about you. And I also really love to hear what you're liking about the podcast. So be sure to do that. And we'll see you next Friday right here on the Craft to Career podcast. Thank you.